0: Welcome to worship, everyone. Uh, Welcome, Sylvia, to your first worship service. Um, She's our newborn, if you didn't know that. Um, Before we get started with our worship service, let me announce a few things. And two of them are not on the back of the bulletin. But the first is that the missions committee is meeting on August 6th at 4 p.m. in the church library. And if you're interested in being a part of that committee, please get in touch with Dr. Suttle Uh, I'm sure he would be glad to have you a part of that committee, or if you just want to attend that meeting. Um, Along those lines, the Discipleship Committee is going to be meeting a week from tomorrow, and the Discipleship Committee covers areas like youth and family ministry. It covers uh, Wednesday night ministries. It covers uh, Sunday school classes and things like that. So if you're interested in any of those things, uh, we would love to have you to be part of the committee or just to attend and, and give your input on some of those areas. So we'll be meeting on Monday night, a week from tomorrow, which is August 7th, I believe, and we'll have some form of food for you to enjoy as we talk together. And lastly, if you're part of the youth group and you would like to attend, tonight we'll be meeting in our backyard with cold water and probably burgers and lawn games. So if you're around and you want to come, please join us in our backyard. That is all I have to announce. Um, It is good to be here. God calls us into his presence by his spirit, and he welcomes us through his son Jesus. So let's take a few moments as the music plays to quiet our hearts and our minds and prepare for worship. Our call to worship says that God is good to those who seek him and he calls us to seek him. He enables us to seek him so that he can be good to us. So would you stand for our call to worship from Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 to 25. Hear God's call to you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So would you join me in worshiping God? And we will sing hymn 32, which is Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let's worship together, hymn 32. God, you provide for all of our needs. And many of us come to this place to worship you with many needs on our hearts, things um, that we know about and some things that we don't even know we need. And God, you promise to provide. And you tell us you are faithful to your people. You are good to those who seek you. And so, Lord, would you be good to us this morning as we seek you and we worship you? Thank you for bringing us here. Would you give us your spirit in full measure so that we would praise you with joy, uh, that we would seek your face, that we would hear your words and receive them and live them out in our lives this week. So would you lead us, and would you lead us in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you would remain standing, you can take your bulletin. to. You'll see the Apostles' Creed, which is what we're using right now for the, our Confession of Faith. And I would ask you, Christian, um, as we uh, use this confession, this Apostles' Creed, because it's a summary of what we believe. uh, God teaches us about himself, about our lives, and about the world through his word. So, Christian, uh, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Would you please join me in a time of prayer? Father in heaven, this morning we've gathered again to worship you because you alone are worthy of worship. We thank you for calling us to worship, for we would worship ourselves and the things of our lives if it were not for your spirit calling us back to yourself. We would gaze at our sinfulness, at our weakness, at our weak faith, and we would lose hope. But you've drawn our eyes to look at your son Jesus again this morning, who is the object and founder of our faith. He is high and lifted up, yet he is near and gentle and compassionate to each one of us here. Dear Lord, your word calls us to test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. And so we let, and when we continue to read, it says, Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. And Lord, we know this morning how true this scripture is. Some of us here have wandered far from you, but you never stopped calling us back. So we pray that you would help us to acknowledge our transgressions, our sins, our rebellion by the work of your spirit so that we can be restored to a right relationship with you. Lord, like the prodigal son who walked away from you, we pray you would draw each one of us back to yourself this morning. For this we call to mind, and therefore we have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. In your faithfulness, Father, we pray, would you nourish your church body Here in Louisville, would you prepare uh, our teachers and our students for the coming months of schooling ahead? Would you prepare our parents for the coming months of obligations and sports teams and all the other things that come with a new school year? Lord, in your faithfulness, would you draw our widows, our single people, our older saints to renewed mercies? as they all look to you for guidance and for strength and encouragement. Lord, we thank you for bringing the Cross family safely through the trial of moving over these last few days. And we thank you for uh, safe travel uh, for them and for us and for all of those here who have been traveling this summer. Lord, would you continue to uh, protect us? Would you continue to protect those who... Um, have vacations coming up and trips coming up uh, before this school year gets started. And God, we ask that you would help our elders on Tuesday as they gather for Presbytery, uh, for the the matters that concern many different churches and elders and people uh, that you have put under the care of this Presbytery. Would you bless that time and give great wisdom and compassion to those who are present there for that? Lord, would you speak powerfully through Heath as he preaches your word this morning? Would you give him great strength to do that? Give us uh, the ability to hear and receive your words and to act on them by your Spirit's power. Lord, be with us in this worship service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take a few moments now to give our tithes and offerings. So as we know, God has given us so much and has shown his grace to us. uh, We give back to him as he calls us to give for the support of his church and the kingdom as it grows. So we'll take that time now.
1: Well, I'd invite you to turn with me now to the 43rd Psalm, Psalm 43, and while you're turning, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us sinners. Send out your light, send out your truth, and let them lead us to God our exceeding joy, that we might be thankful people. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Hear the word of God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And this ends the reading of God's holy word. So we are continuing, nearing the end of our series, which I've entitled Transfigurational Living. Uh, The series has been based on 2 Corinthians 3, and we have talked about Paul's words that We are transformed as Christians into the image of Christ by beholding the glory of Christ. And so we talked about that for a number of weeks. And these last three weeks of the series, I'm talking about what I'm calling three principles for transfigurational living. The first one last week, we talked about praying the Psalms. This week, we are talking about preaching to ourselves. And I'm going to leave it a mystery for next week because we need suspense. So you'll come back, right? Uh, So this week, preaching to yourselves. Preaching to yourself is so important that in this little section of the Psalms, Psalms 42 and 43, the same refrain, "O my soul, why are you, you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, it's used three times. Repetition signifies importance. And I would go as far to say from experience in my own life that learning to preach to yourself can make so much difference in your Christian life That it can turn your valleys into mountains. It can turn your weeds into flowers. It can turn a puppet into a real boy. Uh, It's like pulling the sword out of the stone, and it turns you into royalty. So the question is, how do we do it? So three points toward an answer. What is preaching to yourself? Why is it so hard? And then finally, how can we get good at it? So number one, what is preaching to yourself? Well... You see it in the passage at the very end, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So the first question, who is the psalmist talking to? Well, he's talking to himself, and he's not crazy. This is a good thing that he's he's doing. He says, O my soul, he's speaking to his soul. And he has a two-part message to his soul. First, a question, O soul, why are you cast down? Then a message, O soul, hope in God. Preaching to yourself is learning how to question yourself in your current situation, then applying the hope of God's word to that situation. John Owen described it in this passage by saying the psalmist is calling his soul to account before God, in uh, Martin Lloyd Jones in his great book *Spiritual Depression*, where I originally got this idea, said the psalmist is taking his soul in hand. You see examples of people doing this throughout the Scriptures. For instance, we read earlier in the call to worship from the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is a dark book. It is full of tragedy. It is full of chaos. There are children dying in the streets. People are starving to death. The capital city of Judah, Jerusalem, has been besieged by a Babylonian army, and Jeremiah is there in the chaos witnessing it all happen. And uh, the book is darkness, 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 except right in the midst of it in chapter 3. In the call to worship, we didn't read the context, but starting in verse 17, and really the whole of the beginning of chapter 3 of Lamentations is a lament, Jeremiah describes his current situation. He says, My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. That's a dark place to be. Not only am I not happy, I don't even remember what it was ever like to be happy. Verse 18, so I say, My endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it. And is bowed down within me. You kind of get to see his internal dialogue. It's not good. But then the turn in verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. You see in the passage, what is his soul saying at the beginning? I have no peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. Wormwood, gall, I'm bowed down within me. It's like the Lord has abandoned me. That's how the internal dialogue starts. But that's not the way it ends. It ends with, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. See, he's preaching to himself. He sees he's in a bad way, and he applies the hope of God's word to himself. Here's another example. King David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I love this passage. David is at war. David is losing the war. He's in danger of the people turning on him. It says that the people want to stone him to death. Two of his own wives have been taken as as plunder in this war. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. That's what preaching to yourself does. It's strengthening yourself. One more example. In Isaiah 65, verse 16, it says, He who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. So here's the question. Have you learned to call your soul to account? Have you learned to take your soul in hand And apply God's word to it, no matter how dark the situation. Have you learned to speak God's uplifting word to yourself when your soul is cast down? Have you learned to call the right things to mind to give you hope? Have you learned to exchange your weakness for God's strength by strengthening yourself in the Lord? And in the words of Isaiah, have you learned to bless yourself by the God of truth? That's what preaching to yourself is. Have you learned to preach to yourself? That leads to number two. Why many of us don't learn it is because it's very difficult, why it's hard. And back to our passage. Well, the psalmist shows us why it's hard. It's generally because of circumstances. Look at the beginning of the passage. Verse 1, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So, you could make a list here of all the problems that Psalmist is facing. Ungodly people who are mistreating him, deceitful and unjust men, feeling rejected by God, and he says he's going about through life mourning. Dr. Kevin Elko, who's a sports psychologist, he's a Christian. I enjoy listening to him. Uh, he, he works for various sports teams to help encourage their athletes. To be all that they can be, so to speak. And he tells a story about one time he was at, I think it was Disney World, and he said it was three days in, and I, he had, I forget how many, three or four little children. And just let's just say, three days into Disney World with three little children during the summer. Some of you imagine how he was probably feeling. Uh, and happy and blessed would not describe it. So he described a situation, I'll never forget it, it is great. He said, I was sweating, I was waterlogged, and I had rashes, and I was ready to take a knee, kneel the ball, and head to the house and check out. He said that he knew he was fed up when Mickey Mouse walked by, and he said to himself, I think I'm going to punch Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Now, that's a much tamer situation than the psalmist is facing, obviously, But it's an illustration of the fact that our circumstances can greatly determine our inner dialogue. And I'm sure the psalmist has some people he'd like to knock out too. Uh, But the point is, despite the circumstances and how difficult they are, you have to learn to take your soul in hand. And Martin Lloyd-Jones in Spiritual Depression summarizes how this works by saying that one of our main problems is that we listen to ourselves instead of speaking to ourselves. He says, that's the great problem of life. We're constantly listening to ourselves instead of speaking to ourselves. Listening to yourself is, I want to punch Mickey Mouse. Speaking to yourself is, I need to enjoy these little children that I have and this opportunity that we have to bond as a family. Lloyd-Jones says, quote, The first thing we have to learn is what the psalmist learned. We must learn to take ourselves in hand. The writer talks to himself. This man turns to himself and says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted? He's talking to himself. We must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Have you realized the most, that most of our unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Now, you know how this works. Listening to yourself is me this morning getting out of bed saying, oh, wait a minute, my jacket's packed, where am I going to get this? Oh, no, I need to do this, I need to do that. This thing is bad, that thing is bad. And before you know it, it's a runaway train of negative thoughts, right? And you've worked yourself into a bad mood. You've worked yourself into a pity party. You've worked yourself into whatever. Lloyd Jones is saying, When that starts happening, you've got to start speaking to yourself instead of listening to yourself. You've got to say, be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. You've got to say, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You've got to say, oh, my soul, why are you cast down? Why are you discouraged within me? You have to learn, despite the circumstances, to preach to yourself. Start talking to yourself instead of listening to yourself. But again, why is it difficult? I know from about 20 years of experience, it's hard to be a good preacher. It takes a lot of work. So that gets us to point three. How can we do this? How can we make it a part of our lives? Here's the first point under this heading. First, you have to be constantly working to diagnose the problems in your own life. And I don't mean like navel-gazing, like... Nonstop introspection where you're constantly examining yourself and nitpicking every sin, every wrong thought, every wrong word. That can get you into spirals that are no good. But it does mean that when you find yourself in a bad way, in a bad temper, however you want to describe it, you are saying, oh my soul, why? You're asking yourself questions. Why do you want to punch Mickey Mouse? Why are you cast down? And as you begin to ask those questions, you know, the questions you ask determine the answers you get. So if you're not asking yourself why you're the way you are, you're never really going to get an answer. So you start with the question. And you remember you're either listening to yourself or you're speaking to yourself, and you begin to speak to yourself rather than listen to yourself. Again, Kevin Elko tells a story about a time years ago, uh, 1999. He was working for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And his job was to interview candidates for the NFL draft and determine their mental stability and toughness and worthiness, therefore, for being drafted. And he said he had a moment in an interview with a potential draft pick who, that changed his life. That An answer that this young man gave added a new phrase to Elko's vocabulary that he would continue to use decades later. So he asked the player in the interview, he says, Tell me a time in your playing career when you overcame adversity. And the answer of the player was, My junior year, I separated a shoulder, and I didn't miss a single game. So Elko asked him, How did you do it? And the young man's answer was, I said to myself, If my mom went to work every day with cancer for six years, then I can go on the field today. And Elko said to the, uh, the GM, draft that guy. But he didn't get a chance to draft him because it was Torrey Holt who went on to play, was drafted earlier in the draft by the St. Louis Rams at the time and who may be a future Hall of Famer. But Elko said, I knew that guy was going to make it by that one phrase. I said to myself, if my mom could go to work every day for six years with cancer, I could can get on the field today. In other words, he had control of his inner dialogue. He was speaking to himself instead of listening to himself. Here's the question. What do you say to yourself? What have you been saying to yourself this morning? What are you going to say to yourself this afternoon? What are you going to say to yourself tomorrow when you have a case of the Mondays and you don't want to go to work or everything feels like it's falling apart? This has got to be an every minute of every day kind of thing that becomes ingrained into you, that becomes habitual? Are you saying to yourself, I want to punch Mickey Mouse, or are you saying to yourself, I'm capable of more? Right? My, uh, a coworker used to have a phrase, uh, the initials SWCDB. It meant, surely we can do better. And I say that to myself all the time. Surely I can do better. Oh my soul, why are you cast down? Hope in God, I will yet praise Him. One more Kevin Elko thing. The story I started earlier about Disney World. I saved the best part for last. As he's sweaty and waterlogged and rashes and wants to kneel the ball, he was sitting at the sword sword in the stone, uh, and a group of kids were walking up, as they do, and yanking on that sword, trying to pull it out. And Elko said, I started to notice a pattern that these kids didn't have any hair. And so he started to look around, and he noticed that the kids and their parents were wearing buttons on their shirts that said, Make-A-Wish of West Tennessee. And he's looking at them. All these moms, all these dads, and they're smiling, and they're laughing, and they're hooting, and they're hollering. And Elko says to himself, Man, these parents... They're practically going through hell, but they're smiling. And here I am griping. Here I am feeling sorry for myself. And he said, how could those parents do it? How could they smile knowing what was going to happen to their children? And his answer was, those parents were determined to suck the joy out of every minute of life they, they had with those children because they didn't know how many minutes they have. You See? The internal dialogue of a parent treasuring their child versus the internal dialogue of a man who's griping because he's waterlogged and wants to punch Mickey Mouse. That's the difference. And for us as Christians, it's so much more than this. It's not just that you need to learn positive affirmations. It's not pop psychology. It's not I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and people like me. That was the old Stuart Smalley thing I used to see on Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. Last Sunday night, we looked at the Garden of Gethsemane. And we saw the Lord Jesus Christ there, sweating drops of blood, sorrowful to the point of death. His soul was cast down beyond what we could ever imagine because God was showing him, Son, you're going to suffer hell for your people. And Jesus is trying to wrap his head around that reality. And then on the cross, as he's lifted up, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's the only person who ever believed in the Father who could actually say that, and it was true. Because he was being forsaken, so that we could know we would never be forsaken. He was being lifted up on that cross, so that when we are cast down, we can be lifted up. We know we'll never ultimately be casted down. Not to hell, not to the wrath of God. And so we have to apply this minute by minute by minute, ever-running minute, to our lives. That's what preaching to ourselves is. Learning to preach is hard. Believe me, I know. I've worked on it for a long, long time. But you need to learn to be a preacher. You're all preachers. And your main audience is yourself. So you have to start doing it, practicing it, working at it, figuring out the specific needs that your soul has and applying the specific promises and hope that God's Word provides to your soul. And as you practice, you'll find tomorrow's sermon will be better than yesterday's. And who knows where you can be five years from now. John Owen famously said, this is emblazoned in my memory, because when you walked into one of the buildings at RTS Jackson, it was plastered on one of the professor's doors. And it said, No man preaches a sermon well which he first does not preach to his own soul. And I have found over the years, and I'll just make myself the bad guy in this, if I preach a clunker, it's probably because I didn't preach that sermon to my soul first before I got in that pulpit. I didn't apply, apply it to me before I tried to apply it to you. And I ask you, you know, what are you preaching to your own heart? What are you preaching to your own soul? I've had so many people come up to me over the years and tell me things like, you know, I have so much trouble, trouble, problems, and difficulty, sharing my faith, sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus. I want to be an evangelist. I want to lead people to Christ. And you know what I say? It's a, you don't need an evangelism training course. I'm not, and I'm not saying those are terrible. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, it, with those. But you don't necessarily need an evangelism training course. You don't necessarily need to go learn how to knock on people's doors. Here's where you start. If you want to be good at sharing Christ, how good at sharing Christ are you with yourself in your own soul? How good are you at applying the gospel to yourself is going to determine how good you are at applying the gospel to others. How often do you preach Christ to yourself? That's real practice. There's an old country song that says you can't make a record if you ain't got nothing to say. And the reason a lot of us don't have anything to say is Is because we're not preaching to ourselves. That's first and foremost foremost, where you get something to say. You take these scriptures, you apply them to yourselves, and it becomes real. What is real becomes real to you. That's when you're able to start sharing it. What you say to yourself is all that you really have to say to the world. Hypocrites are those who say things to the world without saying them to themselves. Have you said to yourself, maybe you need some practice, Jesus Christ is my salvation, and he's nurtured me so deeply in my soul that I now have something true to share. If you want to bless others with your speech, you need to learn how to bless yourself by the God of truth. If you want uh, to learn how to strengthen others, then you need to learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. If you want to learn how to help others that are suffering, you need to learn how to say, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. If you want to be somebody who encourages others and lifts others up when they're downcast, then you have to learn to say to your soul, oh my soul, why are you cast down? Why are you discouraged within me? No man preaches a sermon well to others that he doesn't first preach to his own heart. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that we are not without something to say because you are not without something to say. We can speak truth to this world because you have spoken truth to us. We can speak hope to this world because you have spoken hope to us. Give us, then, a lifting up for the downcast this morning. Give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine, with 10,000 beside. Make us skilled in the art and privilege of preaching to ourselves that great eternal hope that the Lord Jesus Christ, while we were yet sinners, died for us and therefore proved the love of God. And we ask this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Now before we come to the Lord's table, let's stand together and sing the first two stanzas of, of hymn number 44. Number 44. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we come now to the Lord's table. We have the privilege of worshiping God not only in word, but in sacrament. Uh, This table, this bread, and this cup is a sacrament of the new covenant instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to be continued, uh, to be partaken of uh, throughout his coming until we enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. As a sacrament, St. Augustine said, this is a visible word. It is first a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, how his body uh, and blood were given for our salvation, but also as a token not only as a picture, but more than that, as a representation of the reality that when we come to this table, we enjoy communion with the Lord Jesus Christ and communion with one another as his people. So if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've rested and trusted in Him by faith as He's offered to you in the gospel, then this table is for you. Come and welcome to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you are not a believer, then I would encourage you to repent, to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to make a public profession of faith. Come to me, speak to me about that, be baptized, follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, and then join us at this table. Next time. For those of you who are believers, if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're sweating, if you're waterlogged, if you've got rashes, if you came into this place full of mental clutter and doubt and anger, and lay it all down. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, the Lord Jesus Christ says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, and you will find rest for your souls. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful to be able to enjoy both your word and your sacrament this morning. We pray that you would have mercy on us, that you would help us during this time to search our hearts, to repent of our sins, to put our trust anew in Christ, and to rejoice that the Lord Jesus Christ has given For us, as we behold the Lamb of God who is given for the sins of the world. Please take now this bread and this cup, these common elements, and consecrate them for a holy use that we might feed upon the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. For we ask it in His name. Amen. As we distribute the bread and the cup, please hold on to the element and till all have been served, and then I will, I will tell you, and we'll, we'll eat, and we'll drink together. On the night in which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. Christ for you, the body of Christ for you, the body of Christ for you take and eat After the supper the Lord Jesus also took the cup and said this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Christ poured out for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ, drink from it, all of you. Let us pray. Our Father, this table is a great mystery. But we know that here you are real to us. The Lord Jesus Christ is near to us. That he's feeding us by faith. And we all came into this place with needs that we know that we have. And we came into this place with needs that we don't know that we have. Whatever those needs are, spiritual, physical, emotional. Would you minister to us during this time? We thank you for this blessed privilege of partaking of this supper, that we might proclaim our Lord's death until he comes again. May it be that when the Son of Man returns, he will find faith on this earth. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's stand together and sing the third and fourth stanzas of hymn number 44. Uh, before we dismiss with God's blessing, just a reminder, we, were not, we will not have our fifth Sunday lunch this afternoon because the Family Life Center is not ready yet, and it's a little warm outside. Uh, we were joking earlier that we would have fried eggs cooked right off the sidewalk if we were going to do it today. But we will have a Sunday evening worship this evening. I will be preaching, and I would encourage you, if you're able, uh, please come back at 6 this evening for evening worship as we consecrate the whole of the Lord's day to him. Now leave with God's blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.